Good morning, I'm Debbie Cruz. It's Friday, June 9th. San Diego County sees a surge in homelessness. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. The MTS Board of Directors met yesterday to discuss the ongoing bus driver strike. As previously reported, workers for the private contractor TransDev walked off the job more than three weeks ago, asking for cleaner and more secure bathrooms and better working conditions. Veronica Ortiz has worked for TransDev for 18 years and has watched her cost of living increase while her pay stays the same. We have co-workers that are at home. They live in our, their cars in right in front of our property because they can't afford it. Now, TransDev knows all this that we're going through and they just don't care. After a closed-door discussion, MTS board members decided to offer TransDev $1 million if it can end the strike in the next two weeks. If you'd like to get out and celebrate Pride Month, a Pride Walk is happening in Santee tomorrow. The meeting point will be in the parking lot of the Santee United Methodist Church at 12.30 p.m. The event will feature speakers, and the walk will start at 1. The distance will be about 2 miles total from Mission Gorge Road to Cuyamaca, then back to the church. Event organizers suggest wearing comfy shoes, and if you'd like, you can dress in Pride colors. And just a little weather update as we head into the weekend. It's going to feel pretty similar to what we've been seeing in the county all week. Cloudy. The National Weather Service says temps will still remain below average for this time of year. There's a slight chance of rain tomorrow night and Sunday morning, and temps are expected to be in the mid-60s all weekend. So it looks like June gloom is sticking around a little longer. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. The latest point-in-time count data in San Diego County was released this week by the Regional Task Force on Homelessness. Reporter Melissa May has details on the number of unsheltered residents in the city of San Diego. The San Diego County point-in-time count is done each year on a day in January. In the city of San Diego, the January count found 3,285 unsheltered residents, compared to 2,494 in 2022 a 32% jump. San Diego Mayor Todd Gloria says one reason why San Diego's number is high is because other places essentially export their homeless people to the city. The city of San Diego stands alone when it comes to taking on this issue seriously, and we need other communities to step up and help house their own individuals who are becoming unsheltered uh, rather than passing them on to the city of San Diego and to our taxpayers to provide for. On Tuesday, a comprehensive homeless shelter strategy for the short, medium, and long term will be presented to the City Council. Melissa May, 
KPBS News. And in North County, the homeless count showed lower numbers in some cities and spikes in others. North County reporter Tanya Thorne breaks it down. Homelessness in Escondido jumped 67 percent from 2022, according to point-in-time count data. Last year, 182 unsheltered people were counted. This year, 304. Unfortunately, the data reaffirms what we have been seeing uh, on the ground every day, that homelessness is increasing. Greg Angel is the CEO of Interfaith Community Services, the only provider of low-barrier shelters for all genders in North County. But some North County cities saw a drop in their numbers. They included Poway, San Marcos, and the coastal cities of Del Mar, Encinitas, and Solana Beach. But Angel says the data is at best a rough estimate and is often inaccurate. Nonetheless, Angel says the data does help organizations and municipalities get a sense of the problem. Tanya Thorne, KPBS News. If you are a person of color in San Diego, you might qualify for up to $40,000 to help purchase a home. Reporter Katie Heisen looked into the new pilot program from the San Diego Housing Commission. The program offers grants and deferred loans to help with down payment. It aims to help about 80 to 100 moderate income households of color who have not owned a home in the past three years. Ryan Klumpner is the vice chair of the Housing Commission's board. He says this program is one step toward closing San Diego's racial gap in home ownership. It will help families of color achieve the dream of home ownership that historically has been denied and kept out of reach for many of them. Non-Asian households of color in San Diego have lower than average home ownership rates. Historic racism in lending and housing practices helped create this gap, which hasn't budged in the last decade. Visit our website for more on this story. Katie Heisen, KPBS News. Coming up, we have you covered with some weekend plans if you need some. We'll have that and more just after the break. I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. This month, Undercrank Productions celebrates 10 years of preserving and revitalizing silent films. Arts reporter Beth Alcamando spoke with the company's founder. 
Ben Modell's career path was set when he was forced to watch silent movies in dead silence at college. It was such a painful experience that he offered to accompany the films on piano. Between my desire to help the movies not die and actually live again, and the fact that people were watching the movie and not really me, I think got me past any nervousness that I had. And, and there was a great deal of satisfaction that these that was helping these movies be entertaining. And he continues to do that till this day, whether it's by playing a live score at a Library of Congress screening or spreading joy during lockdown with his live-streamed silent comedy watch party. He also produces and distributes rare and overlooked silent films on DVD and Blu-ray through his boutique home entertainment label. What I'm doing with the Undercrank Productions releases is trying to fill out the landscape to bring the films of the stars who people went and saw while they were waiting for the next Greta Garbo film or the next whatever. You can enjoy Modell's delightful work on YouTube or take advantage of the 10th anniversary sale on Undercrank Productions' website this month. I guarantee these films will brighten any day. Beth Accomando, KPBS News. My colleague Beth Accomando also dives into the world of Shakespeare as it takes the stage once again at the Old Globe. This summer, you will find a pair of romantic comedies at the outdoor venue. Beth speaks with director Kathleen Marshall about the themes of love in Twelfth Night. Shakespeare's comedies deal with the human condition, but in a way that kind of makes us look at our own foibles and and vulnerabilities in quite amusing ways. So to start off, Kathleen, tell us a little bit about your production of Twelfth Night. I'm so honored to be directing Twelfth Night at the Old Globe because it's one of my favorite Shakespeare plays. And I've said to our company, you know, we have this responsibility to deliver a sort of delightful and hopefully fresh production of Twelfth Night for people who know and love the play. But then we also have to believe that perhaps in every audience, there are people who have never seen the play before. And we want to introduce it to them and serve it up in a way that that really sort of honors this great comedy. And one of the things that I've really been realized as we've sort of delved into it is that all of these characters are sort of flawed in one way or another. All of these characters are sort of feeling some sense of loss. Uh, we have two characters who are literally lost. And so it's really, a, even though it's a great, Shakespeare comedy, it it has this depth to it. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's such a perennial favorite. So I don't want to talk about Shakespeare in love, but I want to talk a little bit about Shakespeare and love. And Twelfth Night famously has the line, if music be the food of love, play on. So Kathleen, what do you see as kind of Shakespeare's view on love within the context of Twelfth Night? I think what what we're sort of exploring in in Twelfth Night is the idea of attraction and the idea that infatuation can lead to attraction, can lead to desire, and that may come in in an unexpected way. It's not always something that that you can plan. You know, Orsino has been trying to woo Olivia for months and she rejects him and he can't understand why and she can't understand why he's pursuing her. And yet they both find attraction and desire in an unexpected place. I feel like Viola in Twelfth Night knows more than the men and sometimes more than the women about love, about what it is and how to navigate through it. So can you talk a little bit about her role in all these romantic shenanigans that take place in the play? (laughs) Uh, Well, I think in, in Twelfth Night, you have this sort of 
interesting concept that the main character, Viola, who is sort of the character who is the spine of the story and who sort of interacts the most with the most other uh, the other characters, that she is going through her, her experience of the play disguised as a man and, and, and affects everybody in such, a, in, in such unique and individual ways. And they don't know necessarily why they're being affected by this person, but they are. And I think it's the fact that she sort of is both genders at the same time. She has her own insight and perception and emotions and ideas. But because she is presenting as a man to people, they listen to her differently and she interacts with them differently. What do you feel is the importance of keeping Shakespeare's plays alive for audiences and having them performed on stage? I think it's amazing how Shakespeare's characters, language, phrases, how much they permeate our world and our you know, literature and plays and cultural references that we all are touchstones for us for hundreds and hundreds of years. You know, we're saying that these are sort of the original romantic comedies and every movie or TV show where you have two people who sort of rub each other the wrong way and bicker and sort of then tumble their way into romance. That's what happens to uh, Viola and Cesario. That's what happens to, that's Beatrice and Benedict. That's, you know, all of these, that, that sort of classic thing of they, you know, it's, it, down to Hepburn and Tracy and and Sam and Diane on Cheers. It's like it's 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 all originates from these romantic comedies that Shakespeare wrote. That was director Kathleen Marshall speaking with KPBS arts reporter Beth Accomando. Shakespeare's Twelfth Night opens tomorrow and runs through July 9th at the outdoor Lowell Davies Theater in Balboa Park. And before you go, arts editor and producer Julia Dixon-Evans talks about some arts events happening this weekend. She shares the details with KPBS Midday Edition host, Jade Heineman. So, Julia, let's take a look at things going on in San Diego. Starting in the North County, the California Center for the Arts in Escondido has a new exhibit of photographs of the iconic Mexican artist Frida Kahlo. This isn't work by Kahlo, but of her. So what do you know about that? Right. It's a touring exhibit of photography by Frida Kahlo's longtime friend, and it turns out her on-again, off-again romantic partner, Nicholas Mirai. Uh, the two met in 1931, and they started an affair. And even after that affair ended, they stayed friends until she passed away in 1954. Reading about their relationship was a total rabbit hole for me this week, and it's clear that these are super intimate portraits but also represent how they each kind of work together and, and like develop their personalities as artists. And, you know, a lot of the super iconic photographs of Frida Kahlo that you've probably seen before, they're in this exhibit. They're by Mirai. But there's a total about 40 portraits and even some letters between the two of them. One I saw even has a lipstick kiss mark on it. But lipstick aside, this exhibit's so much about kind of the root of inspiration and what it means to be a muse. And when does that open? How can we see it? Yeah, it opens on Saturday at Center for the Arts Escondido, and it runs through November 5th. And while you're at the museum, you can also see this other installation from local artist Nan Coffey. She has a background as an animator, and I love the way she fills an entire canvas or even an entire room with cartoonish drawings, mostly in black and white. There's just so much to get lost in in her work. That also opens on Saturday. 
Okay, one more. How about some music? The Young Lions Jazz Conservatory is playing a full day of free concerts on Saturday. What can we expect there? So this is their annual all-ensemble showcase. The conservatory is made up of, of a bunch of smaller ensembles. Some of them are just trios or quartets. Some of them are bigger ensembles. And I think a lot of times these showcases... They get written off as something that's just for the parents. But, uh, you know, this is a youth conservatory. But I've seen these groups before. They are so good. They just crushed it at the North Park Music Festival a couple of weekends ago. It's definitely worth checking out. Um, This is the school, as you may know, that's founded by local jazz royalty Gilbert Castellanos. These kids are incredibly talented. The groups are so cohesive. So just like the performances are mind-blowing. This is their big group. It's the Jacobs Jazz Ensemble we're listening to. This was at Panama 66 last summer. And the show on Saturday is free. It's at the Loft at UC San Diego. So really close. uh, That part of campus is really close to the Blue Line station, the trolley. And the show is from 11 to 440. They'll have a new ensemble every 20 minutes. So you can plan to pop in um, for a set or two whenever you can swing it. That was KPBS arts editor and producer Julia Dixon-Evans speaking with KPBS Midday Edition host Jade Hyman. You can find details on these and more arts events at kpbs.org arts. That's it for the podcast today. This podcast was produced by KPBS producer Emmalyn Mohebi and edited by Joe Guerin. We'd like to thank KPBS producer Ben Lacey, reporter Eric Anderson, and editor Nick McVicker for helping out the podcast team this week. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening and have a great weekend.